0: Hey, it's Latif from Radiolab. Our goal with each episode is to make you think, how did I live this long and not know that? Radiolab, adventures on the edge of what we think we know. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
1: Hey, you want that to go?
0: And now some takeouts on the stories we're following all week. First up, a monthly poll shows a sharp drop in America's consumer confidence. Louise Story, a finance reporter for our partner, The New York Times. L- Louise, what does is, what is a sharp drop in consumer confidence mean? Why did it, Why did it go down so much?
2: Morning, Todd. You know, one thing that surprises me is that Um, analysts were still wrong. They were expecting it to go down maybe, you know, one point. It went down 11 points. And that's because all around us, you know, people are talking about this recovery. But apparently, at least, you know, according to this index from the conference board, um, regular people out there are just not feeling it. And this index focuses on two areas. It asks them how they think about the current environment, what things look like now, and what they expect for the future. And for both pieces... People dropped their expectations, they dropped their assessments, they said, you know, it's, it doesn't look as good as it did the past few months.
0: So if people are hesitating buying that new refrigerator, buying that new washing machine, that must have implications for the broader recovery.
2: Absolutely, because, you know, consumer spending is about 70% of the economy. This index also asked people a lot of jo- um, questions about jobs and whether they think it's easy to get jobs or not, and people said, no, it's it's still very hard to get jobs, and their assessments of that fell from the last few months, looking like it's a little harder for people to get jobs.
0: So people are skeptical about money coming in and skeptical about spending it. Louise Story, finance reporter from our partner in the New York Times. Thanks, Louise.
3: For our next takeout, we'll go to Vancouver for an update on the Winter Olympics. Jason Stallman is the Olympics editor for our partner the New York Times. Good morning again, Jason. Good morning. Unexpected things happened last night. It was the big event. Everyone's been waiting for women's figure skating and some surprises on the ice.
1: Well, it's going to take a lot for me to kind of rein in the hyperbole here because what happened in women's figure skating last night was was absolutely unbelievable. I, I was trying to gain a reference point, and I think I had to go back to the Beijing Olympics with Usain Bolt that August night at the Bird's Nest when he ran the 100 meters in a time that completely floored everyone. And a similar thing happened last night at Pacific Coliseum. With women's figure skating, the, the the working press at least was less staggered, and I think the the live audience was as well. Uh, Mao Asada, Japanese figure skater who is a gold medal contender, performed flawlessly. She was in first place. The very next skater was Kim Yuna of South Korea, who is widely regarded as the best in the world, and she somehow won up her. it. Was a really spectacular performance that. Many people who've been around figure skating for a long time said it was the best they'd ever seen. And uh, she set a world record. And then before anyone could catch their breath, uh, Joannie Rochette of Canada stepped onto the ice. This is two days after her mother died suddenly of a heart attack. And she had the best performance of her career. And now she's in position for a bronze medal. So a lot to process, needless to say.
3: The Americans were not expected to show well, but they, they performed well last night, did they not?
1: they did perform well. Marina Gasu, the the very young American, she went 11th. There were 30 skaters and she went relatively early. She she had a bloody nose halfway through her routine and still finished pretty strong. And she and Rachel Flatt, the 19-year-old high school senior, they're they're in the running for perhaps a bronze medal if, if one of the top 3 skaters falls or or, or tripped up, or otherwise, uh, yeah, the Americans could come away with a bronze on Thursday night.
3: Okay, another big name, Bodie Miller, went to try and get his fourth medal and and maybe become the first guy to get a fourth medal in alpine skiing. What happened in the giant slalom?
1: Well, Bodie started strong, and uh, coming out of the gate, it was quite obvious that he was willing to take every risk he could to to come away with another medal. As you mentioned, four in one Winter Olympics would be a record for uh, alpine skiing, and uh, he just got a little bit too audacious on the giant slalom course, and he missed a gate and couldn't regain his line. So he skied off the course. He's got one more chance. That's Saturday in the slalom to to set that record.
3: We'll be watching, see if he makes it. Jason, stay awake there in Vancouver. Jason Stallman's the Olympics editor for our partner, the New York Times.
0: Now, for our last takeout, we turn the microphone over to you, the listener.
2: This is Dale Davidson from Manhattan.
0: She's one of our many listeners who reached out yesterday on our series Frustration Nation. It's about gridlock in D.C. And we asked, is the media to blame? And what's your big media frustration moment?
2: My media frustration moment came back in the 80s. They decided to change the FCC ownership of radio stations and TV stations so that non-American citizens could own these. And I said, hello, Rupert Murzak.
3: Al emails us. Americans fall for spin doctors who use the media to get these voters to react and then blame the media. The Tea Party and healthcare care are two prime examples. Voters get spun and instead of blaming themselves for their own stupidity, they look around for the nearest target, and the media and Congress are to blame
0: But, uh, but out of our responses, Al was actually a minority. Most listeners agreed with Ann from Massachusetts, who wrote on the website, We depend on the media to call out politicians for misstatements and lies. The health care reform issue is an example. We hear most Americans are happy with their health insurance. Then we hear 30 million people are without health insurance. Please clarify what that means.
3: There are also a few of you who thought like Cedric in Miami and thought the media is not wholly to blame. He posts to our site. Yesterday, your guest, Kathleen Hall Jamieson from the Annenberg Public Policy Center said...
2: Blaming the media for causing the problem is like blaming the family dog or the in-laws for a divorce. small part of the problem, yes to the problem now.
3: That's a weak analogy, Cedric in Miami says. It's more like this. Blaming the media for gridlock is like blaming the vindictive mother-in-law who tries to pass unverified claims as facts and profits from the strife by selling ad space on her blog. Now, of course, we cannot blame her completely, but she didn't help the situation either.
0: Of course, we're also part of the media here at The Takeaway, and one of the criticisms we've received from Charles on our site, which is thetakeaway.org, I question the entire premise of this week-long series. Is there gridlock in Washington, or is there a hard and bitter debate about an overwhelmingly huge federal health care spending bill. If you show uh, if your show is trying to leave listeners with a subliminal message that there is no passage of Obamacare, then Washington is guilty of institutional pathology. Charles, well put. We take it. Our series Frustration Nation cons- uh, continues later this morning. Being frustrated is one thing. But how about a solution? We want to hear your solutions at 8778 my take From Miami Post to the site, filibustering should just be made illegal. Well, what do you think? eight seven seven eight my take or takeaway dot org.